Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today we have one of our missiology instructors, Reverend William Turner, preaching in IBC Chapel. Brother and Sister Turner together have been a missionary team. They have served both in South Korea and also in Russia. They have a wealth of knowledge and experience on the mission field, and more importantly, they've lived in faith, and they're giving up their retirement leisure years to come back to campus and teach and pour into the next generation of apostolic ministers. We love and appreciate them and all that they do. Let's get right to Brother William Turner preaching the fear of the Lord in IBC Chapel. We love you. I want you to come preach the word to us. God bless you. Praise God. Well, when Brother Jared Turner asked me if I could preach today, it didn't occur, me, occur to me that it was Valentine's Day. So this is not going to be a Valentine's Day message. Uh, but I, would, I do want to honor that young lady that's over there, my wife, on Valentine's Day and every day. Now, there's, there's been a recent date a day for us that's much more important than Valentine's Day, and that was on uh, January 13th, which happened to be a, a Friday, the 13th. And that's a special day to us because 56 years ago on January, Friday, the 13th, we had our first date. And I've never been superstitious since then. And uh, then 53 years ago, uh, she agreed to marry me. So this has been a good life. And I want to I honor apostolic women. Uh, I'm glad I've been married to an apostolic woman. I never had to ask her to stop cutting her hair after we got in the church. She made her own commitments to God. And, uh, and she is, she's a tough lady. She's gone through some difficult times and she's ridden on trains and snowstorms with no heat and came down with pneumonia and done all those kinds of things. And uh, she's been by my side there is I'll tell you guys there's not a day goes by that I don't tell my wife I love you I tell her that every day I tell her that more than once often and uh, and I try to thank God that I have her every day so so my Valentine's message to you is make sure you find an apostolic woman and uh that loves God on her own and has her own commitment to the Lord. And then, and be sure that you uh, always treat her like a lady and honor her, whether you're just getting acquainted or whatever. All right. 
Let's go to the word of the Lord, Exodus chapter 14, verses 27 to 31. I'm going to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. Exodus 14, 27 to 31. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So let's talk about the fear of the Lord. Could we pray just a minute, Lord? We ask you to help us and speak to us. I thank you for this tremendous group of young men and women. I thank you for your call on their lives. I thank you for what you're going to do through them and how you're going to use them. I ask you to speak to us today and help me to pass something along to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Some years ago, there was a, a short book that was, uh, became a national bestseller, and it was entitled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And it sold over 7 million copies, shared such advice as um, share everything, play fair, don't hit back, Put things back where you find them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. And uh, I didn't, I was born before Indiana had a kindergarten program in its public school, so I never got to go to kindergarten. But at about that age, I, uh, I became acquainted with two fundamental truths about the gospel and about serving God and preaching uh, the word of God. And the first thing I, I learned was the love of God. Uh, and I was about four or five years old, and I was already preaching. I was preaching at, at home in our, our little a house in a little farm village, Lindsberg. And my, uh, I was the preacher. My brother Wayne was the uh, usher and offering taker. And uh, my mother and about once a month, my father's sisters, my aunts, would come and visit my mother. They're the ones that got my mother in coming to church and then eventually my father also. And... Uh, <clears throat> One of my uh, one of my aunts was uh, uh, Pastor Gary Keller's uh, grandmother uh, in Lancaster, Ohio, and uh, and she uh, 
she helped get bring my mother into into the church. So my aunts would be out there, and and um, uh, the, I was very passionate at four or five years old, very passionate about preaching, and they listened to me, and I was I was uh, fixated by the message of the cross and the crucifixion. Our our, our pastor there in Crawfordsville, where my folks started going to church. He preached about the cross. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And uh, it just made an indelible impression on my life and my mind, my little mind, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and, and that he died on that cross for us. And so I, I, I always I preached the cross and I, and I preached Acts 2.38 to them. And uh, they said, amen. My brother took up the offering, and as we got about oh, eight or ten cents out of it and went to uh, get some candy afterwards. So that was, my, that was the first great truth that I learned at that early age of kindergarten age, that God loves us and that he loved us enough that he would come, the creator would come and become one of us and take our sins upon him. The second lesson that I learned, well, truth. I didn't learn it, but I, 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 I brought it into my heart and mind, and, and eventually I understood it. And that uh, happened at the Indiana camp meeting in about 1953. And that's when uh, Indiana was having its camp meetings in Lafayette along the, uh, uh, the river there, the Wabash River, at, and uh, we rented a campground, uh, Tippecanoe campground. An Indian battle had been fought there. And so I, here I was about four or five years old. It was with my, my folks. They hadn't been in the church just a, couple of, a few, just a few years, actually right after I was born. And there was a preacher at that camp meeting that I will never forget. And the message, the thing that, that is imprinted still in my mind and heart is the message that he preached. And uh, his message was entitled, Your First Night in Hell. And I, I found out years later after we got in the church and I, and I saw Brother Nathaniel Urshan in, in Oregon. In fact, I think it was at my ordination uh, service. And... and um, I, I asked him, I said, uh, Brother Urshan, I saw him on the sidewalk. I said, do you remember a, the camp meeting in Indiana back about 1953, I think it was? Uh, and there was this young evangelist, and he was preaching about hell, and he was brushing the flames off of himself, and, and, uh, and he immediately said, J.T. Pugh, your first night in hell. And... Uh, I went back just this past week, and I, I went to uh, YouTube, and I, I typed in J.T. Pugh, and immediately, I think the first, some of his sermons, now J.T. Pugh was the uh, North American missions director back in the 1970s, and he, he pastored in uh, um, Texas, and he was a Texas uh, a superintendent, I think, and um, he was a tremendous preacher. Well, when I typed in J.T. Pugh on, on YouTube, the first message that came up was 
your first night in hell. And I, I listened to it again. I hadn't listened to it. I hadn't heard it for, yay, 70 years. But uh, I heard it again this week. And uh, in, in that message was so powerful. He, he, said, he said three things at the outset of that message. He said, there are three things that uh, uh, are going to happen to you. He said, first of all, you're going to die. And then secondly, he said, after death will be judgment, and you will face that judgment. And then thirdly, he said, everyone that dies outside of Christ, you are going to sink into hell. He said there is either going to be a heaven or a hell, but both of them will be eternal. And uh, uh, it, it was just, uh, the way he preached that message, it was so powerful. You might want to even listen to it sometime uh, on YouTube. But uh, people were responding in such a deep, dramatic way. I mean, that message had such a profound effect. He said, I'm preaching not just to young people. I'm preaching to adults that are here tonight. It was a, it was a, Oh, no, on the YouTube message, it was, a, it was a youth conference. The one I heard was maybe the, one of the first times he preached it as a very young man. And uh, he said, uh, I'm even preaching to preachers tonight. Some of you are going to go to hell. And you're going to go because you have decided not to listen to God. And, and on and on and went. And by the time he got to that altar call, I'm telling you, people were Screaming. They were, he didn't have to ask, okay, let's just uh, come on forward. They were running to the altar. They were throwing themselves in the altar. They were crying out to God in repentance. And uh, it was a deep, deep move of God. It scared me, Brother Rodenbush, so badly that I asked my mother, could we go outside? And uh, there was a graveyard out there where they had ba uh, buried the people at that battle. And so let's just go outside. We went out to the tombstones, and I felt so much uh, safer and more comfortable in those tombstones than I did in there where I could still hear those people crying out to God. And so the second great truth that I learned, first of all, I learned that God is love. And he loved us enough that he would come himself to save us. And then the second thing I learned, that there is judgment. He is a God of judgment. And uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really fully comprehend those things until uh, after I, I, I got away from God. I wasn't, I wasn't like many of you. Maybe some of you have a similar testimony, but I didn't, uh, I didn't stay in the church, and I didn't get the Holy Ghost. And, uh, but then I, thank God, I married a, a, a woman that had uh, a heart to do the right thing. And when we finally came to ourselves in a far country, we went to church and we responded. One of the things that really, I knew, I knew everything that I needed to know, but I was just choosing to ignore it. Yeah. My wife didn't know anything and I wasn't telling her. But uh, when we started going to that church and it was a small church in Tucson at the time, now it's a very large church with lots of daughter works. And, um, uh, but uh, we uh, invited Pastor Connor and his wife to come over to our house for dinner, and we wanted to just, you know, talk to him. We hadn't really repented yet, 
uh, we started asking them some questions, and he started talking about end-time events. He started talking about the, the mark of the beast and the uh, tribulation that was coming on the world. And uh, I, I, I knew it was true, and I knew that I wasn't ready to meet God. And uh, so we finally did make our way to the altar and repented and got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But uh, let's go back to this text that we read, uh, verse 31. Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. I looked at a, two or three uh, different translations of that verse. The modern English says, the people revered the Lord. Uh, but Webster's Dictionary says that to revere means a profound respect mingled with love, devotion, and awe. The Living Bible says they were afraid and revered the Lord. The New Living Translation says they were filled with awe before him. And the Amplified Bible said they feared the Lord, uh, in parentheses, with reverence, and all filled respect. Well, that, that first one, that modern English, I disagree with that translation completely. They, the people revered the Lord. Webster's Dictionary revered a profound respect mingled with love, devotion, and awe. They, had, they hadn't even gotten to the concept that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you need to love him with all your heart and soul and strength. They hadn't gotten there yet. And uh, in fact, there was no devotion yet. Uh, but they were awe-inspired, that's for sure. They certainly had awe. But awe is a, a momentary feeling more than a deep conviction and a, a permanent devotion. In, in fact, this event at the Red Sea was the first time they had ever witnessed the judgment of God. Now, back in Egypt, God was judging Egypt, but they were in the land of Goshen. And they were actually, they were cocooned in the land of Goshen while all of these plagues were hitting Egypt. Yes, the Nile River turned to blood, and they probably lived somewhere in proximity to the Nile River, and they may have recognized the river had turned to blood, but they could do what the Egyptians did. They went elsewhere and dug some wells and got some uh, water from another source. And then uh, that, that plague passed. And, and uh, so the, maybe the first two or three plagues, uh, possibly uh, uh, they, they experienced the, maybe the blood, the frogs, the lice. But those were over relatively quickly. But then the Bible specifically says that God... Uh, bypassed them while these plagues were falling on Egypt. These, uh, the, uh, the livestock pestilence, it was the Egyptians' livestock, it, the boils that came upon them, the hail. The Bible says it fell on Egypt, not in the land of Goshen. And, uh, and then there was this great darkness. It was so dark uh, that was preached about on Sunday that you could feel the darkness but in Israel, in Goshen, there was light in their homes. So they weren't experiencing the judgment of God. And uh, then, uh, then the, the final one, they, they, uh, they, they killed the lamb. They put the blood on their doorpost, and the death angel passed over them. 
their community was a, a relatively closed affair. The Egyptians, they were, they were crying out all over Egypt as their firstborn uh, sons were, were killed and, and their uh, firstborn of their livestock died. But uh, it's possible that the uh, Israelites couldn't even hear that. And, you know, I, we don't know what they're saying of, about a mile away from here. Uh, it'd have to be a tremendous sound. And it's possible that they heard that, but they did not experience that judgment. They didn't see the judgment of God until they got to the Red Sea. And then the Lord judged the Egyptians and the sea collapsed upon them. And then the Bible says the Israelites were afraid. They experienced real fear of God. It didn't permanently change them because you can get over a, 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 even a, a miraculous, amazing event that happens. You can bypass it. You can do like a little boy did when he was four or five years old, and you can forget that message that you heard for years. You can go on year after year, but eventually it's going to come back to you. And thank God that it did. So I know we serve an awesome God. I know that uh, some of the translators say, well, they, they, they revered him as an awesome God. We sing about that. We understand that, and, and we should sing about that. I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. He is an awesome God. But, uh, you know, I've been to the, the seashore, and uh, my, my wife and I enjoy going to uh, the uh, Outer Banks of the Carolinas. And you can, you can look for miles and miles up and down that coast. And as far as you can look out to the sea, and you can see those big waves rolling in. And that is truly an awesome sight. I, uh, we've been to the Grand Tetons, and uh, those are majestic mountains. We've been to the Swiss Alps. We've seen that. And... In fact, I've had, uh, I've eaten some awesome meals and uh, I've heard some awesome singing, but this does not totally describe everything that we need to know about God. There needs to be a place in our experience with God that ha is more than just profound respect, being moved by emotion uh, or profoundly impacted the gospel should be preached in love with a knowledge of judgment to come. Uh, when I was a young convert, uh, uh, oh, we, we rejoiced in the Lord. We, were, we found what we were looking for. Uh, I didn't want anything else after that. I didn't, my career didn't mean anything to me after that. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to be involved in everything that was going on. And uh, when we had church, we, we had good church out there in Tucson. We danced, we ran aisles, we did those things. And, and, uh, and I think uh, we should do that if you're still physically capable of doing those things. But, uh, but then I remember the first time I went to a conference outside of my home district and I, I overheard some uh, young people as we were going into that conference and I, I heard this statement. I, I, I could well have taken it out of context, but this is how it struck me. I heard a young man, as they were going in for that uh, big conference, he said, um, I put my dancing shoes on. And I thought, what? 
the way it struck me was almost like it was going to be church as entertainment. And I'm, I'm going to go, you know, get dance. I think we should dance before the Lord. I think we should have a full understanding of what we're doing, but I don't think we should take this lightly. I think, I think that we should, uh, we should enter into this with our whole hearts. Why don't we just lift our hands right now and praise him? Oh, Praise God. There is this, there's this question of judgment. And uh, I know I wouldn't be here without the love of God. I know it was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. But it was the knowledge of judgment to come that really began to shape my life and help me to look toward God. And the Hebrews, uh, in fact, our, our pastor Carson re referred to this just recently. He said, uh, uh, those that are pastoring, they, they watch for your souls and they have to give an account. They're going to have to give an account. Someday you're going to be pastoring someone or, or, or leading a, you might even be leading a whole nation and uh, you're going to have to give an account for what you preach and what you do and how you live your life. Matthew 10, 28, fear not them that which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body yes. in hell. And Paul said of the, of the Jewish people in Romans 9, he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed or separated from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. There is, there is an eternal destiny that's involved in our relationship with God. And this urgent command to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There's only two places you can possibly go after this life. And we all are going to die. And there is an eternal destiny. And there's only two places you can go. It's either going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. And, and Brother Rodenbush, I've, I've known powerfully anointed preachers that have failed God. They, they were used of God. They preached this message, but somehow they must have lost sight or understanding that he is a God of judgment. His righteousness confirms and declares that he is going to judge according to his word. Judgment begins at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and sinners stand? Paul was preaching to Governor Felix. And he said, uh, the Bible says that he, as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, 
and judgment to come, Felix trembled. One of, one of the worst memories of my time as a missionary happened in Korea. I know I'm not boasting about this. It's fearful. But we pastoring that we have a sister Loretta Bernard started the church where the Bible college is in Kwangmyeongshi. And then uh, after they went on deputation or no, after they were retiring, leaving the field and we moved in, into there. And there had been a young woman, a young teenage girl <coughs> that had come into the church and she had received the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, active part of the youth group. And uh, <coughs> Brother Kang Moon Jong was, was my... Uh, assistant pastor and and worked with these young people and uh they prayed together they they did things together they we had services together but you have to understand that this this was a country though this was uh quite a few years ago 40 some years ago and and korea was not a developed country at all at that time is very poor and still ravaged by the effects of the korean war and and uh, and Christianity was uh, has increased its impact on that country over the years, but in not so much in those days. And there was a strong spirit of shamanism, or Buddhism, but there was shamanism as we're talking about witchcraft here. Yeah. And uh, and we we've ex experienced people that were demon possessed and. Uh, I remember one of my Bible college students, after he graduated, he went down to, to, to the, toward the southern part of the country to uh, a pastor, a church, and, and in that area, virtually everyone in that church had to first be delivered of demons before they could actually come to God. And I remember visiting that church, and, and uh, he, he said there was an older woman that wanted to counsel with me, and, and she, she said... She said, I was, uh, I was involved in shamanism. She had had experienced those dark powers, and there are yeah. real dark spiritual powers. And, uh, but, of course, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But this woman had been delivered of that, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost and had a beautiful attitude and was serving her young pastor. But she said... She said, uh, something is troubling me because she said, uh, I have this ability. I can, I can see the demons in people. I, I can tell immediately if they come into our congregation and they're demon-possessed. And I, I don't, I don't want to have that kind of power. And I said, Are you? I said, this is a different power now. I said, this, you have the Holy Ghost. You have, a, you have a discernment of spirits that God has given you. And God is going to use you so that you can help these people be delivered from these things. So I'm talking to you about something that was very, very real. Now, this young woman, uh, this young teenage girl, she was coming to our church and doing well. And, and then she started missing church. And uh, 
And then it's kind of hit and miss. And then she was gone for a long period of time. And what happened was this. She had received the Holy Ghost. And then she came across some shamanistic worshipers. And she uh, got involved in going to those sessions. And she experienced that they had actual power. And she decided that she wanted to find out about that. And when she opened herself to that, she got herself possessed by devils. And uh, she, came, she came to some youth services, but she was acting very strangely. And then one night she showed up at the, uh, the boys' dorm behind the, the uh, school, and she was, she was actually acting in a very lewd way. And, uh, and Brother Kong came and got the guys, and they all went to the chapel, which was on the other end of the building, and, uh, and they prayed. There was a prayer. We were upstairs. I could hear this prayer meeting going on until about 4 o'clock in the morning. And finally, I got up, and I went downstairs, and... Uh, they told me what was going on. And so I, I spoke to her and, and asked her, I said, you can be delivered of this. Do you want to be delivered? And she began to mock us and uh, say terrible things about the experience of the Holy Ghost and what God had done in her life. And she had turned away from that. And, and so I said, send her home. And uh, she didn't show up for services after that. And, uh, and then uh, her parents, she, she was getting out completely out of control. She was losing her mind. And her parents asked us to take her to a psychiatric clinic. And so my wife and I and Sister Kim Chunja and, and this girl... She was, and they were in the back seat, and it was about an hour's drive there. And uh, she was, she was saying blasphemous things against the Lord, against her Holy Ghost experience. And she just kept ranting and raving in that back seat. We had an hour's drive, and I, I we got about halfway across Seoul. And I just couldn't stand it anymore. I slammed on the brakes, pulled off to the side of the road. I turned around and I said, devil, shut up. And there was not another word out of that girl. She didn't say anything else. It startled me that I did that because we never said, we never said shut up in my house. We didn't talk that way. And our kids were not allowed to say that. But the devil understood it. So we dropped her, Chunja let her in there. We drove on and later on, it wasn't just, it wasn't just that clinic. They had to, her parents put her in an insane asylum. I... I know, I know that that's an exception. I know that 
that there is, there is nothing that God can't forgive you of if you are willing to ask for forgiveness. But she was not willing. There was no fear of the Lord there. Let's stand. I know that I know there are people in this room that God is going to use you in a great way. I don't doubt that at all. I thank God for it. There are, there are amazing things that are happening in our world right now. It is a very disturbed world. And we're hearing things that are happening in the spirit. And I'll tell you why. It's because judgment is coming. Yes. Judgment is coming. And the thing that I do not want to hear, I don't want to hear that anybody in this room lost out with God. I don't want to hear that someone in this room turned away from God at some point in your life and ministry because of whatever. You're going to get abused. You're going to get misused. There are going to be people that will turn against you and betray you. And, you know, the servant is not greater than his master. There'll be reasons, I suppose, but I think the principal reason is someone along the way lost the fear of God. They knew about the love of God, but don't forget, there's going to be judgment. Yes. Paul reasoned with Felix about judgment to come, and Felix trembled. This was a very real thing. And so... Uh, we come to the close of this I'd like to just give you a time to pray and I'm not asking for anything dramatic but I would like you to do this I would like you to recommit yourself to a love for the truth yes. 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 don't take this time at IBC frivolously right. have fun enjoy friendships and yes. laugh that's all good but realize that you are here for a very, very important reason. Yes. Yes. There's a heaven to be gained and a hell to shun. People that if they're not in Christ, that there's no other place for them to go but down. It is real. It is real. But so is the love of God. So is the deliverance of God. Praise God. So let's just lift our hands and let's just make a new commitment, a fresh commitment, one more commitment. Lord, I'm going to preach the word. Yes. I'm going to be instant in season and out of season. I'm going to remember that I'm not just preaching about the love of God. I'm not just singing about the love of God. But there is a God that 
will judge. There is a judgment that's coming. There is an eternity that is coming. Oh, I think we're going to have bold preachers of the gospel come out of here. Bold women of the gospel that are going to come out of this group. I believe you're going to make a tremendous impact on your world because you have a deep love for God and a deep love for truth. <laughs> Don't lose that. Don't lose that. Keep a hold of that. And God will see you through every situation.